Well, today I, I want to teach just a little bit. I don't know that I want to preach. I just, I just want to teach. Uh, we have something coming up in a, in, in a few weeks that is really, really big, okay? And, and I don't know. I think most of you understand it's big, but you don't understand how big it is. We have the, the privilege of doing a vacation Bible school in the Hundred Oaks uh, community. And most of you, if you know anything about that community, it's primarily Hispanic, and uh, we have the opportunity to take the gospel in there. We did it last year, and it was it was awesome. It really was. Uh, it was awesome from the standpoint that so many of our our church was there, but it was awesome as well for the input uh, the, the the impact that we were able to make in those children, and not just those children, but in their parents. Uh, we saw some ladies, some mothers come to Christ, as well as some children. And so they somewhat know us, and we get a chance to go back. And so this year, uh, we want to step up our spiritual preparation, okay? Physically and uh, financially, there's not an issue, okay? But spiritually, we want to step up because I really believe God wants to do something very special. And so I want to teach on something. We're going to do a church-wide fast, now, before you get panicked, go nuts on me, and start swallowing and saying, I can't do that, I just want you to listen to me today, okay? I want you to hear my heart. Um, I'm 57 years old. I've heard one sermon on fasting. Okay? One sermon. Any of y'all ever heard a sermon on fasting? A few of you have. Some of you haven't. It's, uh, it's a mysterious subject, kind of shrouded in fog uh, for most modern Christians. We don't preach it very often. We don't teach it very often because we don't understand it. We don't understand what it is. We don't understand why you do it or if you even should do it anymore. Add to that now, here's where the problem is. It kind of cuts across the grain. Okay, When I say 10-day fasting, you're thinking, my gosh, I can't last 10 days. I'll die if I miss a meal. And so, amen. Amen. I mean, I know. I'm I'm human just like you are. I I love food. You can look at me. I've eaten like a king this week, okay? In fact, I feel like that's all I've done. But our body reacts to that. Our soul reacts to us. Most of you are like me. You've not missed many meals in your lifetime. And, And so, to convince your body that you're going to skip a few kind of cuts against the grain. But biblically, but fasting is a biblical uh, discipline. It is a it is a, a biblical practice, and it's a it's a practice. I want you to listen to me. That all of us should do if the Lord calls us to a fast. Okay, I want you to keep that. I want you to write that down. If the Lord calls you to do it, all right, write that down. Because that's going to be something that no matter what I say, that's going to go on the end of it. If the Lord calls you to do it. Fasting for fasting's sake is very often just legalism, okay? It just becomes something we do, like reading our Bible. Singing when it's time to sing. I've always done that, so that's what I do. Fasting can become that. But, but if God calls a person to it, God has a reason. And if God has a reason and he's called you, then God will 
provide you the strength and the grace to do it. And so today, I just I want to just teach a little bit about it. Uh, we believe, and and it's more than just me, that God's calling calling us as a church to do a ten day period of fasting, in preparation for the work that that God's called us to do, as we present and we're calling our vacation Bible school God's greatest treasure. That's what we're going to teach. This year, we're not using anybody else's material. God's raised up someone to write our own material. And folks, listen to me. That's what I'm praying for about this church. I'm praying that one day we'll sing our own music. We'll teach our own material. And, And when I say our own, what God has given us, that God will bring creative people that, that can do those things. And he's beginning to do that. Uh, Maybe you'll even get a preacher that could preach his own sermons, okay? I don't know. Just kidding. That was a place for you to relax a minute. But we believe that if we obey God and we consecrate ourselves, in other words, we set ourselves apart and we prepare ourselves before God, that God will pour out his spirit on that little community and his glory will come. You say, Nelson, on a vacation Bible school? See, we've gotten so used to doing vacation Bible school. It's just something we do. Folks, this is an opportunity to reach kids with the gospel. The most effective method of reaching people is vacation Bible school. Did you know that? More kids get saved in vacation Bible school than any other ministry there is. And so God's given us an opportunity to go into a community that is, is for a lot of reasons, closed, okay? And I, you may not understand that, but, but, but a lot of the parents don't speak English. Look, I've been on the other side of the fence this week, and there's nothing scarier than a man with a gun and a badge, and he's talking, and you have no clue what he's saying and a truck with a machine gun mounted on it that's sitting in front of the road. And, and you know what? I don't know what they're saying. I have no clue, so I don't know what he wants. The guy with us did. And he's, you know, it's fine. Put the shoe on the other foot. That's where they live, most of them. Some of them understand English. Some of them speak English, but some of them don't. They don't understand our cultures. I didn't understand the... I asked permission almost to do everything this week because I don't want to offend anybody. You know what? They don't understand our culture. And God has opened the door for us to go in and share our faith with them and share who He is. Most of them come out of a, of a, of a Catholic background. So they don't understand the gospel. Okay? We get the chance to not just proclaim it, but to demonstrate it. And so we need to be ready, I think. I mean, I, I just I think that's true. And so we believe God will come if we prepare ourselves, and we believe that when he comes, he'll change lives. We believe he'll save not just children, but he'll save parents. He'll save men. In that culture, the men are always the last to join in, very hesitant. This week I, I saw a man who was probably in his 80s. He came every day, he and his wife, And one day, he raised his hand, and he said, I appreciate, there was another gentleman I teach, and he appreciated what we had taught, and he realized he wasn't a very good husband. Now, for him to say that out loud in that culture was like unheard of. He said, but you know what? 
if God gives me very much life, I'll be a better husband. You know what? We get a chance to share the gospel. And the gospel has the ability to change lives, folks. It has the ability not just to change lives. It has the ability to take people out of poverty, out of ignorance. It has the ability to set people free. And so we, we want to prepare for it. So what we've done is, is we, we've planned as a church a 10-day period. Okay, I want you to write these dates down. This fast is going to begin on, on Wednesday, May the 29th. And it's going to end on Friday, June the 7th. Okay? Now, before you shut me off, turn me off, and say, I can't fast. I can't do this. I can't do that. There's going to be a lot of options. All right? How many of you like options? I just hate it when I've got one choice. That's what God does most of the time. He gives me no options. But, but I'm not God, so we've got some options. All right? So just hang with me. I'm going to teach you a little bit. I'll get to the options at the end. Fasting is, is not a silver bullet, okay? It, doesn't, it does not enable us to twist God's arm to get what we want, okay? It doesn't, fast, it doesn't force God to move. God is God, amen? He's sovereign. He's the Lord of lords. He's the King of kings. But what fasting does is fasting humbles our flesh. And I want to tell you something about humility. When God humbles you, or when you humble yourself before God, you can hear Him so much better. He points things out that are obvious that for whatever reason, we don't see. We don't pick up. And so, when we humble our flesh, it it enables us to consecrate, which is a, a word most of us don't understand, but it just means to set aside. We set our, our, ourselves aside for a specific period of time to draw close to God and just to listen. We want to hear from Him. That's why you fast. You don't fast, God, I fasted 10 days, do what I want. You can't twist God's arm, okay? If you do that, you'll go without food for 10 days, okay? And it'll be hard. I have another phrase that I'm not going to tack on the end of that, but it'll really be hard, okay? It'll be terrible. So I I want to define what fasting is so that we're all on the same page. And I'm going I'm to define it in its strictest sense, okay, what the Bible teaches that fasting is. But there are other ways to fast, okay? It, God's not a legalist, all right? God's grace. He's grace-filled. In the strictest sense, in the, in the biblical sense, when you read about fasting in Scripture, it means either, it means to deny yourself food, for a specific period of time. It's self-denial. Now, some fasts are partial, and some fasts are are complete. Uh, They call them total fast, and I'll talk about the difference in the two. It, It may mean avoiding certain types of food for a certain period of time. Some of the fasts in Scripture, like Daniel, Daniel fasted for 21 days, but what he did is he denied himself the spices and the rich food that was available to him, the wine that he would typically drink, and he ate vegetables with little or no seasoning, and he drank water. You've heard the term Daniel fast, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. Uh,
whenever the Bible speaks of fasting, then that's the, what it's talking about. And I mentioned there were two kinds of fast mentioned in the Bible. There's an absolute and a partial fast. Now, an absolute fast means that you go without food and water. Okay? That can only be done for three days. All right? You say, well, Moses did that for 40 days. Okay? I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Okay? It's only for three. You see lots of three-day fasts. They would deny themselves water and food. Our bodies cannot go without water but for about three days, and then it shuts down. But it can go without food for much longer. Now, I know some of you are going, mine can't. I believe that too, but it can, okay? Fasting, I heard uh, a friend of mine put it this way. Fasting is a muscle that you develop over time, okay? So God's probably not going to call you to a 40-day fast if you've never fasted before. He's he's not going to call you to a 21-day. He may ask you to fast a meal or something, okay? Because it takes some time. But there's only, I mean, the Bible talks about Moses. And Moses, when he went up on Mount Sinai and God spoke to him, uh, he went 40 days without food or water. How is that possible? It was miraculous, okay? He was in the presence of God, okay? He went back up after uh, the incident with the golden calf, and he did another 40-day fast without food and water. It was miraculous, okay? I want you everybody to take a deep breath. God hasn't called us to that, all right? Jesus did a 40-day fast. But Jesus only fasted from food, okay? He had water. He had no food, but he, he drank water. That's possible, okay? That's not what God's calling us to. There are all kinds of diff- partial fasts. Elijah fasted for 40 days on his journey from uh, when he was running from Jezebel. And, uh, but God took care of him. God gave him water to drink at different places. Uh, so before you get all freaked out about that, let's just agree to discuss those things another day. Fair enough. We'll leave the big number days alone for a while. I just want to talk about uh, how biblical fasting is a little bit and give us some options. Fasting is biblical. Uh, you find it all throughout the Old Testament. You find it in the New Testament. But God wants to teach us a little bit this morning because there's a text of Scripture that many people have taken and taught that, that fasting is not New Testament anymore. And it's just it's a misunderstanding of the passage. I don't think it's a purposeful thing. I think they just misunderstood the passage. Uh, it's found in Luke chapter 5, verse 33 through 34. And Jesus, Jesus uses a, an illustration. And, and, and you've heard me say this uh, the last several months. Jesus would take obvious illustrations that everybody was familiar with and he would add in a, a spiritual thing, and it would the message would be so obvious. Now, this is a little bit different than our culture, but but I'll explain a little bit about it in a minute. Let me read this. In, in Luke chapter 5, verse 33, it says, And they, who were they? They were the Pharisees and the scribes. They said to Jesus, The disciples of John often fast and offer prayers. The disciples of the Pharisees also do the same, but yours eat and drink. In other words, Hey, all these religious people around you are, are fasting and they're praying and you guys are partying everywhere you go. And Jesus said to them, and he, listen to this example that he uses. 
You cannot make the attendance of the bridegroom. In other words, the sons of the bridal chamber, the, the, the groom and his best men and his attendants. That's, that's what he's saying. You cannot make the attendance of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with you, can you? But the days will come. That's important. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And they will fast in those days. Now, many Christians have used this passage to teach that fasting is something that we're not supposed to do. We don't have to do it anymore. We live under grace. We don't live under law. But that's an incorrect translation of this text. Some teach that fasting is just Old Testament, but that's not true. That's not what Jesus was teaching here. Jesus was just simply using an illustration and he was using it from a wedding situation to declare a truth. Now, in our weddings, we have a big party the night before. Uh, we have the, what do they call it? Somebody help me. I've, I've hit a blank spot here. An after rehearsal dinner, okay? And we eat and, 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 you know, some people eat and drink and dance or whatever. And then we have the wedding the next day. And it's a big party after the wedding. We have the reception. And there's, sometimes there's, there's eating and drinking and dancing. Sometimes there's lots of eating. But it's, it's a party. You understand what I'm saying? Well, in the Jewish custom, the, the wedding didn't last a night and a day. The wedding lasted all week. Your friends, your family, your neighbors, the, the wedding party, they all gathered at the, at the house of the, of the, uh, of the, uh, the bride. And they partied, okay? You remember when Jesus went to Canaan? And they ran out of wine? They were cooking, okay? They were having a big old time. And I'm going to bust some of your bubbles and you may never come back, okay? They weren't drinking grape juice, all right? Y'all may think they were, but Jesus never They were drinking wine, all right? And the, 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 Head waiter tells the, the other waiters, hey, we need some more wine. They say, hey, there's not anymore. We, we're done. I mean, this, this party was in full swing. And Jesus tells the waiters to, to go get some more. And, and as they go, what happens? He tells them to fill the water pots up, and those water pots were, were big water pots. And when they did that, and when the, 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 uh, the head waiter dipped some out and tasted it, he, he realized this is the best of the best. Because you know what they did? They served their cheap stuff until everybody didn't know the difference. And then they brought their best out. But when the guests got this, it was the best. The best of the best. Kathy's telling me not to go any further with this. I reversed it. Okay. They gave their best last and their worst first. How about that? That's what they did, though. They would serve the worst wine they had. Okay, I'm, time out. I'm taking over here. <laughs> time out. They would serve in, in a typical wedding feast. They would serve the sorry stuff first. Then when they ran out of the sorry stuff, they would serve the best. Okay? They would serve the best first. All right. Okay. I told you I'm numbed out. I know what it's supposed to be. You're right. They would serve the best and then the sorriest at the last, okay? But at this wedding that Jesus went to, they served the best the whole time. That's the point. And so what, what Jesus is talking about, let's get off that one. Let's go back to this one. Because it doesn't have wine in it. My point is they ate and they drank all week long. 
It was a it was a joyous celebration. Nobody fasted during a wedding celebration. Everybody ate. They stuffed. They just had a big party. And yet, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law didn't recognize that the King of kings and the Lord of lords was there. And so when Jesus was here, they didn't fast because the bridegroom was here. They celebrated. But what Jesus said is, one day the bridegroom will be taken away from you. And when he is taken away, we will, or you will fast. You see what I'm saying? The bridegroom ascended into heaven. He was crucified. And he died. And God raised him up and he ascended into heaven. You remember what he told his disciples when they celebrated the Lord's Supper? I won't drink this wine again until I drink it with you in the kingdom. Because... Okay, so the bridegroom is removed. And so it it has nothing to do about Old Testament, New Testament. At a wedding, the last thing they had on their minds was fasting. They were there to drink and to eat and to dance and to celebrate. They were there to party. I mean, mean, party's not a bad word, okay, if you do it the right way. And it was a celebration. It was a joyous occasion. And so... Jesus is saying, is my disciples right now are not fasting. They're celebrating my presence. But there's going to come a day when I go, when I ascend into heaven, that they will fast. Folks, we live in those days. We really do. And fasting is is something we can do and we should do from time to time if God calls us to do it. All right? It's not something you check off a spiritual list. And if you do it, then you're spiritual. That, that's not what fasting is. And so during a time of fasting, you forgo food. You forgo eating so that you can use that time to spend with God, so that you can pray. And so our desire in, in this fast that I'm talking about is, is just to humble ourselves and to seek God's face and to seek His power. We want to draw close to God, near to God, so that that He'll draw near to us. That's what the Word of God says. If we'll draw near to Him, He'll draw near to us. Now, most of you here know that if, 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 I mean, we're, the churches in America are financially, we can put on good programs. Amen? I mean, we really can. I mean, even our church could put on a very good VBS program. There's nothing wrong with VBS programs, all right? We could put a good one on. But folks, programs are not what reach the hearts of people. It's the power of God that reaches the heart of people. And that's what we want to see happen. You know, we can go and teach, and, and there are people that are gifted in our body, and we can, we, can, we can do recreation. There are people here that are gifted to do that. We can, we can put out a spread of food second to none. There are people that are gifted here to cook. But all those things won't mean a thing if the Spirit of God's not there. And if he doesn't work. See, kids don't get saved because they have Kool-Aid and cookies. They don't get saved because they have good Bible lessons. They don't get saved because the music's wonderful and it draws them in. They get saved because the Holy Spirit speaks to their heart. He breaks the walls down. So that's, that's all we want to do. So what we want to do is just humble ourselves and get out of God's way and let God do everything that he wants to do. And what tends to happen very often is if we don't prepare ourselves, our flesh gets in the way. 
we'll get our own agenda. Or we'll get offended because somebody else's agenda is not our agenda. Folks, I want to say this. We need to set our agenda to the sides and seek out his agenda. And that's why we want to fast. We want our flesh out of the way. Now, this is a corporate uh, fast. This is a church fast. But we're going to all have to do it, everyone that God calls to do it, on an individual basis. Okay, so it becomes an individual fast if you choose to be a part of it. But it's a corporate fast. And you have to decide if you want to be a part of it or not. Okay? If you choose to do it, then do it because God's calling you. Please don't do it because your pastor preached a sermon on it or your spouse is doing it or your friend is doing it. Don't do it because of that. Do it because God said, I want you to to do it. Okay? God is a grace-filled God. He is not a legalist. He will never make you do anything that you don't want to do. But he'll call you to things, and he'll give you the opportunity to obey him. And that's all this is. That's all this is. Don't let me coerce you into it, okay? Please, don't let somebody else coerce you into it. Let it be your choice. Let it be your desire because you want to be consecrated. Now, I'm going to say this, and I won't say any more about this, but should you decide to do it, do it privately, okay? You say, what are you talking about? Don't look. Don't do like the, the lady I heard the story of this weekend. She was headed to Mexico on a mission trip, and there were four or five people that called her every day, typically when she was at home, to check on her. And so her phone's ringing all day long, and she would go, Hey, I'm on a mission trip to Mexico. The next one called, Hey, I'm on a mission trip to Mexico. This went on every day. Her mission trip to Mexico was in that telephone. Do you understand what I'm saying? The glory she got was there, not in that. And, and, and fasting is a private thing, although this will be a corporate one. It's still a private thing. I want to read a passage that Jesus, he was teaching his disciples some things. We're not broadcasting this. Uh, uh, we're not telling our neighbors we're doing this because, you know, we'll get our glory there rather than, than God getting the glory. And Jesus gives some very succinct, clear teaching on this. Now, I'm just going to read this passage in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. He says, when you, And when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast, don't put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites. The hypocrites were those who said one thing and did something else. And so very often when a Pharisee that was very hypocritical, most of them were, he would he'd be in a long face. Everybody knew he was fasting. It was obvious, okay? He says, for they neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting. I mean, in other words, they wouldn't comb their hair. They didn't shave. They just went around like this. Well, everybody knew they were fasting. Well, guess where they got their glory from? Everyone knowing they were fasting. Jesus said this, truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head. Wash your face so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but by your heavenly Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. Fasting is not for everybody else. It's between you and God. Now listen to me. There may be a situation if you choose to do this where somebody say, well, why are you not eating? 
uh, 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 what I do, what I do, I can't tell them. You can tell them, I'm fasting. Say, what? I'm fasting. We, we're, we're, we have a period of time that we're fasting and, and seeking God's presence. That's fine. Okay, does that, does that make sense? I know people that they almost do gymnastics in their mind so that they don't lie, but they don't tell the person what they're doing. Okay, I've fasted before and gone to eat with people. Well, you're not eating anything else while I'm on a fast. That usually goes, they just don't ask another question. Okay, so don't, don't, don't get legalistic. This is just a time between you and God. It's a time for God to show himself to you, really, not to, for you to show yourself to anybody else. It's, just, it's to show God how really hungry spiritually you are and how desperate you are. Now, there are a lot of different reasons to fast. Okay? And I'm going to give you some here. There may be more in Scripture, but I'm going to give you some of these. And, and not all of these will apply if you choose to do it, but, but some of these will. Okay? The first one is, is to strengthen our prayers. Okay? Fasting doesn't change God's heart. It doesn't twist His arm. But what it does do is it changes the kind of prayers we pray. I can promise you if you decide to do a, a, a partial fast and you decide to do the one that only has fruit juice or water, about day four, you will realize what a wretched sinner you are, okay? You say, well, I don't think I'm doing that one. Well, let me just tell you, it, it, it will humble you and God will begin to speak. I'm just telling you that from personal experience. And, and your prayers change. All of a sudden, you're listening for God to speak more than you are talking. You start to get quiet, and you start to hear God. So it strengthens our prayers. It also, the second reason is to seek God's guidance. Very often in Scripture, they would fast to try to figure out what they were to do next. You see Paul doing that to determine which direction he's supposed to go. We need God's plans in everything we do. And, and, and I don't know whether you, you realize this or not, but, but God's going to place the, the destiny of a whole community in our, in our palms for a week. That's, that's pretty heavy, okay? But that's in essence of what he's doing. He said, I'm going to give you a chance to alter their destinies through me. So we need his God. Wouldn't you say, you, I mean, if you had a community's future in your hands, would you not ask God to show you what to do, when to speak, when not to speak, what song to sing, what verse to share? That's what I mean. Seek God's good. Another reason is to express grief. Now, that's probably, I mean, when someone died in the Jewish culture, they would fast. It was a normal way of expressing their grief. I don't think, you know, that's going to apply in this fast, all right? A fourth way is to seek deliverance or to seek protection. If you remember the story of Queen Esther, uh, when the decree went out that uh, the, the Jews would be annihilated, uh, Mordecai sends a message. She gets the message, sends him one back, he sends her another one, and she gets it. And she calls a fast. Why? Because they needed protection. They needed God's uh, deliverance. And, and we need God's protection, Okay. We need God's protection. There's an enemy that we fight and that we face that will, he will come with his army to do everything he can to keep the gospel of Jesus Christ from permeating that community. 
He will be there, okay? But folks, we serve the God of hosts, the King of, of heaven, the Lord of the angel armies. That's what, that's, what, that's what his title is in the Old Testament. And if we'll prepare ourselves, you know what? He will wipe that army out. And we will walk over them. We will tread on them. The Bible says we can tread on serpents and scorpions. But you know what? We've got to get prepared. We've got to get ready. And so that's a good reason to fast. And another one is to express repentance and the fact that we're, we're coming back to God. And for many of us who do this, this will be the major thing that comes out of it, okay? It'll be a personal revival in a sense. It'll be a return to God. It'll be getting the garbage out of our lives. I want to read a passage of Scripture. It's found in Joel chapter 2, verse 12 and 17. This is what God says. It's an invitation. He says, Yet now, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. You see, fasting is not a, it's not a visible thing. It's not to, I mean, they would tear their clothes, and it was a symbol that they were in mourning. Well, God's not interested in us tearing our clothes. He wants us to tear our heart, that inner part of us. He wants to open it up so that he can work in it. Now return to the Lord, your God, for he's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. Who knows whether or not he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, even a grain offering and a libation for the Lord your God. Blow a trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, Proclaim a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and the nursing infants. Let the bridegroom come out of his room. Let the bride out of her bridal chamber. Let the priest, the Lord's minister, weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, spare your people, O Lord. In other words, get serious about the condition of the land in which you live. Yeah, that's what God's saying. Get serious. If you'll get serious, you know what? I'll pour out loving kindness. I'll pour out grace. I'll move. So that's one of the reasons. Another one is to humble yourself before God. That will very likely happen. Uh, fasting just has a way of bringing humility. You see how dependent you are on food. I mean, we're dependent on food. Amen. Some of you could say a hearty amen there. I mean, we are. And all of a sudden, you take it away, and you realize how dependent you are on something. So we need to, it's, it's a good way to humble ourselves. Another one is to express concern for the work of God. When Nehemiah heard the condition of the walls in Jerusalem, he was in Babylon, and he heard the news, he fasted because it broke his heart. The, the, the land he loved was in ruins. And so he fasted. And, and he expressed concern. And God answered. And, and this may be a reason. Another one is, and this one will probably be one, is to overcome temptation and to dedicate yourself to God. That's what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 4. He, he comes up out of the water. He's, he's been baptized. God speaks, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he goes into the wilderness for 40 days to get ready for the next three years. So we don't, we don't think about that. But he set himself apart. He dedicated himself to doing what God called him to do. It began with a fast of 
40 days. And during that time, the devil came. And listen to me. He will come. And he will tempt you. But you know what? God, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. God will give us the power to do what we need to do. Now, if you choose to do this, you'll probably experience some of these things. But you know what? You'll also, and I want to encourage, this is the positive it's not just negative. You'll also experience a touch of God in a way you've never experienced it. I'm just going to tell you that. Uh, if you just fast a meal and you've never fasted before, God will do something. I promise you that. Uh, God will give you something. Every time I've ever fasted, God has spoken to me in some way. Now, it might be during the fast or after the fast. Very often it was after the fast a little while uh, it was a gift and every time I was changed now fasting will change you I'm just telling you that if, if, if you have an issue with humility I know none of you do okay I know none of us do but if you have a problem with it fasting will help you I promise you maybe you know you have a problem and you're struggling with a sin that just keeps reoccurring Fasting's a way to overcome it. Uh, maybe the enemy has a grip on your family or on your life or on a situation, a financial situation. Listen to me. If, if you'll fast and pray about that, I mean, God will drop a bomb right in the middle of it. I promise you that. He will work. He may not solve it like you think it ought to be solved, but he will work, and he will give you a way out. He'll take care of it. Now we'll get real practical, okay? I, I want you to understand this. I want you to listen to me. The thoughts of giving up food or anything else that gives us pleasure and brings us happiness is not tantalizing at all. Amen? amen. You can say a hearty amen there. Amen. We don't want to deny ourselves. That's, that's, most of that is part of being human, okay? Most of that's just a part of being human. I can even bet right now that some of you are hearing a little voice saying, turn him off, tune him out. He has no clue what he's talking about. Okay? Now, I want, I'm, I'm going to surprise you here. That may be the voice of the enemy. But very likely, that's the voice of your soul. That's your voice. Okay? Your voice. You. Th th that person in here doesn't want to do this. It's no fun. And we don't want to do things that are not fun. I don't want to deny myself. I love to eat. I remember when Brother Steve preached a sermon on food and he made this statement, you got to die something, it might as well be good food. That set me free. Okay, I'm like him. If I die something good, it's going to be good food. But there comes times when God says, I want you to set that aside because that's not all there is. So the voice you hear may not be the enemy. It just may be your soul. You see, we are a spirit and a soul and a body. And for most of us, most of the time, the part of us that's supposed to be in control is not in control. See, God has designed our spirit to drive the car that we live in. Our spirit controls our soul and controls our body. But for most of us, our soul controls us. Okay? And when you start to fast, your body will want to take control. And your soul will want to take control. But you've got to listen to the Spirit 
your spirit who listens to the Spirit of God. Now, it's not easy. It's not something you do just for fun. It's something God calls you to. Now, I want this to be as inclusive as it can be, okay? I want as many people to do this as God calls to do this. I don't want this to be legalistic. Uh, Some of you have to eat something at every meal because you have to take medication. All right? That's okay. That's all right. Some of you, uh, God knows that. Some of you have never fasted before. And to, to miss one meal, much less 10 days of meals, is, is beyond your comprehension. And it's, it's, it may be unattainable. That's okay. But every person in this room can fast during this 10-day period from something. All right? So I'm going to give you some options. All right? And when I say I'm going to give them, I think there's some options God gives. All right? I really believe that. Uh, if you've fasted before, and some of you have, uh, you can do a 10-day fast from food, and you can do it by drinking water and fruit juice. But now listen to me. Please, you need to be in good health, and you need to take little or no medication, okay? If you take medication, it's probably not going to be what you do, all right? So it's okay. This is one option. There's another option. Some of you could fast one meal a day for 10 days. You could eat the other two. Some of you could fast two meals a day and eat one meal a day for 10 days. Some of you could do a Daniel fast. You need to eat. You've got to take medication. Okay, eat vegetables. Just cut the... Don't put any bacon grease in your green beans, all right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, they're going to be bland. Yeah, but they'll be filling, Okay. Don't put a lot of salt on it. Don't put a lot of pepper. Well, you can use salt and pepper, but don't use a lot of it. You can eat vegetables. And, and when I say vegetables, what are you talking about, Nelson? You can eat, you can eat vegetables, all right? <laughs> but you can also eat fruits, and you can eat nuts, and you can eat whole grains, and you can eat seeds. For some of you, this is hog's heaven, okay? You can eat legumes, whatever legumes are. Tofu, you can use herbs and spices. You can do all that stuff. You're just not going to eat dairy products. You're not going to eat meat. That's what Daniel did for 21 days. He drank water. You can do that. Everybody could probably do that. Uh, Some of you could fast this way. The normal amount that you eat, you cut it in half. Or you cut it by two-thirds. You eat less. Now, some of you are saying, you know what, I I just can't do without eating. Well, you know what, there are some other ways to fast. This might be revolutionary for some folks in here. You cut your TV off for 10 days. It's an option. You cut your radio off for 10 days. You could not use your computer for 10 days. Now, that's not going to be everybody. But let's just say your computer... You know, you could you could stay away from Facebook for 10 days. My God, if I got off Facebook for 10 days, they'd think I died. <laughs> no. You could not play video games for 10 days. There's a number of things you can do for 10 days. The, the point is, is you deny yourself. You say, God, I am, I, I'm choosing to deny myself for a 10-day period because I want to hear from you. And the time you would spend on Facebook 
or the time you would spend eating or the time you would spend watching TV or the time you would spend eating or the time you would spend doing whatever you do or the time you would spend eating, okay? You just go after God. You just pray. You get quiet before Him. My point is, is that everybody that God calls to do this can do this, all right? You ask him, Lord, first, number one, do you want me to do this? And then you ask him, Lord, which one should I do? Now, please listen to me. If you take medication and you are supposed to eat food before you take your medication, you don't choose that option that goes without food, okay? Listen to your pastor here. God won't call you to do that, all right? God knows your health. God knows that that medication is essential to your health. There are other options, all right? And they are equally as powerful. Okay? Everybody with me? Okay. But as you fast, just ask God to clean you up. Ask God what he, to show you what he wants you to do. Pray for these kids. You're going to see, over the next couple of weeks, you'll see some videos. You'll see some pictures. Let God burn a picture of those children in your mind, and you pray for them. Pray for their parents. Listen to me. If God makes a dent in that community, they are so close-knit that it will spread like wildfire. All right? It's just like if a disease got into a community and it spreads like wildfire. The same thing will happen here. Not if, but when God makes that dent, it'll spread. It will. Because they're just as desperate as we are. Now, spend the time you would spend eating or hobbying or whatever it is you choose to give up. Spend it in the presence of God. Get closer to God. What fasting does, it, it, it allows you to see God's heart clear. It, it allows you to experience not just who God is, but who you are, okay? I mean, the one thing that you will come face-to-face with is who you are. All the smoke and all the mirrors and all that stuff will disappear, and you'll get to see yourself. And you know what? You will be strengthened. You say, well, how can I be strengthened if I'm weakened physically? You will be spiritually strengthened. That spiritual strengthening will overwhelm that spiritual weakness. I want to close with a passage today from the Old Testament that whenever I'm faced with something that seems insurmountable or seems impossible, I just always remind myself, you're familiar with this passage. Whenever I face something that, if it depends on me, is not going to happen, I can't get the victory over it, I remind myself of this. It's in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. I love the way it starts. This is the word of the Lord. In other words, God says this. This is not something I heard God say. This is what God said. And God, and this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, it's not by power, it's not, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Folks, we want God's spirit to come okay and can I just tell y'all a little secret about this if we do that and we do the fa- that we do the fast and we get humble before God 
God won't just stay at a hundred oaks community. God will blaze in here. Okay? And if God blazes in here, guess what? He'll blaze out there. And lives will be changed. Okay? When when God's people get serious, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways and pray. If my people will get serious, here's what I will do. I will hear their prayers. I will heal their land. I will forgive their sins. Because that's ultimately what we want. This is focused on a little community within a community. But the focus is bigger. Okay? Our power desire is our purpose and desire to see God come and loose what he wants to do in Hundred Oaks. So I want to encourage you. I want to give you those dates again, okay? Maybe maybe you're here and you didn't write them down the first time because you said, hey, you know what? Nah, I'm not going to do that. Maybe God's changed your heart. We're going to start Wednesday morning, May 29th. We're going to end Friday afternoon at June 7. Well, what time are we going to start? That's up to you. What time are we going to stop? That's up to you, okay? It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. Let's pray. Father, I'm just so thankful. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.